Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Obviously, your first image is the most important. And, you know, that's why we really focus on like, it should be like shoulders up and really focus clear, not, you know, grainy, no sunglasses, no hats, you know, just people can get a really clear picture of who you are. Right. So right. it's, it's really, yeah. And then, and then when somebody is, you know, pausing on your photo, then they're going to read the bio. Embarking on the journey into the next chapter of your life after divorce is often met with a mixture of excitement and fear. Everything is affected. Transitioning home and career, managing your finances, parenting as a single mom or dad, and managing the emotions around step-parents in your children's lives. The world of online dating, reconnecting with who you want to be in this new chapter of life, and finding your passion, purpose, sensuality, sexuality, and so much more. Tune in as we speak to the experts in every area of post-divorce life and support you to enter and navigate it as an adventure with a growth mindset and a heart of possibility. So welcome, Alyssa. It's so nice to have you with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Alyssa, we're going to be talking today about about everything that happens in dating after you've kind of set yourself up on an online platform. And before we get into that, uh, can you just share with our audience a little bit about your journey and how you came to do uh, divorce uh, Okay, I'm going to start that over again. My my, that's okay. I just got an unstable Wi-Fi, which got me nervous. Oh yeah, no, no worries. We'll just start over. Okay, sure. So, welcome, Alyssa. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Alyssa. Before we dive into the conversation of what we do um, on a dating app once we've set up our profile and got our images set, before we get into that, can you just share with our listeners how you found yourself um, in the field of dating coaching? Yes. Um, so, at in my early forties, I got divorced or I left my husband and I hadn't dated since college. So well before cell phones and dating apps and, you know, obviously it's a whole new territory and I had no idea what I was doing, but coming from a fashion background, I, you know, I kind of got the photo thing, you know, 
figured out pretty quickly. Um, didn't really know what I was doing after that, but <laughs> I got the photos up and running. I got my bio written and just jumped in and I went on nearly a hundred dates. Oh my. And I Yeah. And I finally met my partner. We've been together now five years and I met him on Tinder. On Tinder. Yeah, so. And during that process, I, you know, was seeing so many profiles that could use a lot of help. <laughs> and I kept thinking there must be so many other, you know, divorcees, divorced people who need help with their profiles and what to wear. And, and, you know, a lot of men, for example, get out of a marriage and maybe their wife shopped for them, you know, their whole life. And, you know, maybe they're kind of rediscovering their new style and um, just kind of working with people on that too. And I thought there must be a need for this. And sure enough, there was. <laughs> you know, that's a really interesting connection coming from fashion where you're so mindful of appearance. And I would imagine profile appearance, image appearance, um, first date appearance. It, it's all very nicely connected with what you used to do. It's always, mm -hmm. always so yeah. neat to see that bridge to the new uh, career path. Yeah, definitely. And I actually, I, in the last few years before leading up to my divorce, I started art directing photo shoots. So that's where you're on a shoot and you're kind of looking at all the elements together, you know, hair and makeup and lighting and photography and what they're wearing and kind of the whole, the whole holistic view. So, which is so much about, you know, creating a good profile too, is just, you know, basically curating a great selection of photos that's going to tell the most about you. Right. And so as we dive in, while we recently had a guest talking about uh, image and profile, can you just share a little bit of your perspective on that before we dive into what comes after that? Well, despite coming from, you know, a fashion background where you would think, you know, being on photo shoots like that, you know, I would kind of lean toward making something more extravagant, but I'm like, wholeheartedly, I'm a believer in creating an authentic and real profile, like nothing that looks staged or, you know, nothing that looks like when you show up on a date, it's going to look nothing like you. You know, I don't even believe in if people, if, for example, if women come to me and say, I literally never wear makeup, we're not going to make them, you know, glamorize them for a photo shoot. You know, it's, it's, we really are very conscious of making people look like themselves, you know, just the best version of yourself. Yeah. So that makes sense. And then, um, in terms of the profile, is there anything, uh, in, in your philosophy that you would just share on the front end, even though we're not doing a deep dive on that? Yeah. I mean, despite, you know, the fact that everybody's so focused on photos and how, how good your photos are, and they are so important. I mean, don't get me wrong. They are so important. And, you know, I still have clients come to me that only have one or two photos and, you know, and, and think like, Oh, that's fine. I have, here's a photo of me. There I am, <laughs> you know, but it's really, it's so much more than that now. And people put so much time and effort. And, you know, they really do spend a lot more effort on your profile than I think in the past, you know, maybe 10 years ago, it wasn't like that, but now it's like people put a lot of effort into it. And I think that's important to keep in mind when you're creating your profile and again, staying authentic and true to yourself, but, you know, really putting some effort into the photos 
And also your bio. I'm a firm believer that the bio is really, really important. And people do read them. Men read them. I have male clients and female clients. They really do read them. (laughs) Right. Right. It's not just about swiping, although it does seem like a swipe left, swipe right. If the image doesn't fit, you're in you're, you're gone. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. And, and actually I want to get into that uh, coming from the other perspective when you're searching and you're swiping kind of that perspective too. And I want to get into that too, but yeah, I mean, it is obviously your first image is the most important and you know, that's why we really focus on like, it should be like shoulders up and really folk in clear, not, you know, grainy, no sunglasses, no hats, you know, just people can get a really clear picture of who you are. Right. So it's, it's really, yeah. And then, and then when somebody is, you know, pausing on your photo, then they're going to read the bio, you know, and they really are going to take that in. So it's really important to have something that's engaging and not just, I mean, you know, from online dating yourself, you see the same things over and over again. I love walking on the beach and drinking wine, drinking wine, trying new restaurants. (laughs) Yeah. It's all the same for men and women, both, both sides, everybody does it. So just really trying to steer people away from, I call it the loyal, kind and funny on your bio because everyone uses those adjectives to describe themselves. Um, so just really, you know, if you, if you are loyal, describe it in another way, or if you feel like you're kind, describe that in a different way, because people see those same three. Oh, is that it? Loyal, yeah. kind, and funny. Okay. So for those of you listening, if you're loyal, kind, and funny, you want to be creative in how you describe that. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and interestingly enough, I mean, I've worked with hundreds of clients, almost everyone describes themselves in that way honestly, because I have people fill out this questionnaire and you're supposed to list out, um, you know, seven to 10 descriptives about yourself. And almost everybody uses at least two out of those three, if not all three. I would say, I'm not kidding, like 97% of people. divorce has its unique challenges. Having helped people in many different high-conflict divorces, I know that when children and alcohol are involved, the situation becomes even more challenging. Whether you are concerned about child safety when an ex is co-parenting, or trying to prove your sobriety for custody, finding a reliable system that you trust can be difficult. That's why I love and recommend Soberlink. Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system makes it easy to document sobriety in real time, ensuring child safety and providing tangible evidence of sobriety to the court as needed. It's easy to use and has features like facial recognition, tamper detection, and advanced reporting that all work together to improve your life during this difficult time. To help those in my audience who are going through divorce with children, I've worked with Soberlink to develop five tips for divorces involving children that you can download at www.soberlink.com backslash JBD. question to throw at you that I wasn't (laughs) planning on, um, but I think this is a kind of neat way to begin. And that is how many clients come to you uh, 
as, as I would, um, feeling, um, awkward, uncomfortable, resistant, um, in doing this, uh, everyone. (laughs) And, and, and what is the transformation in their, um, mindset and level of comfort, um, as they work with you? I think that would be a really helpful thing for people to, to hear. Yeah, that's a great question because pretty much everybody comes to me feeling like, basically dreading online dating if they haven't already tried it. And it's true. And I mean, it's, I feel the same way. So I think, you know, it's a universal feeling, especially for people over 35 or 40, you haven't like grown up with this as like just second nature, you know, like the younger generations have. Um, It's totally intimidating, all those things. But when they come to me, I think a lot of how people end up feeling more comfortable with it is just hearing, like just feeling validated and feeling like, oh, okay. So I'm not the only person who does this or doesn't know how to do this or, you know, like doesn't even know what app to choose or, you know, I mean, like everybody has kind of the same questions really. So um, just, I think that's the first step is like feeling like, okay, this isn't so scary. And also I've heard a lot of clients come back and say to me, Well, I kept thinking to myself, well, she could do it. And she met somebody I can too, you know, like here's a person, a real person in the real world who did this and was successful at it, you know? And so I really try to focus on the success stories and because people can get bogged down in the hearing all the negativity online dating. So, okay. So that's great. That's very comforting (laughs) for me. Our entire listening audience, well, maybe not the entire, but the vast majority of us are over 40. You're really speaking to a, let's say 40 to 65 Mm -hmm. plus audience here. And Mm -hmm. so that's really great to know. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to pick it up from, I've got this great bio written. I've gotten some assistance with that. I've I've got images that kind of give a holistic perspective of me, not Mm -hmm. five or 10 years ago, but more recently, like now in the last year or so. That's a good point. (laughs) And who I am. And so here I am. Actually, I wasn't going to ask this either, but I have to... Let's say I have to pick the app and then I have to figure out what to do with it. Can I hadn't thought of that, but how do you pick from Tinder? What is it? Bumble, Hinge, Match. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, what's the, the fish one? There's like oh, plenty, the, of fish, plenty of yeah. fish, the paid, E-harmony. the unpaid, the e-harmony. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Like, yeah, there's so many. <laughs> what do you yeah, do? And I think that's also what people feel overwhelmed with is, is just like, oh my God, I just went online and Googled dating apps and like, there's like 40 of them, you know, and and obviously that does feel really overwhelming. Um, But just keeping in mind that there's like kind of the the core group of like main ones. I usually recommend people going on at least two if you're really wanting to be active online Um, and meet, you know, meeting people and going on dates and, or maybe, you know, eventually getting into a relationship. Um, so going on to, and I usually recommend kind of like one of the main ones, major ones like Tinder, Bumble, um, Match or Hinge. Um, and those, you know, really are kind of like the ones that most everyone kind of turns to. And then I usually try to, you know, pick something else based on that person, you know, whether it is that they want to meet someone else Jewish or they, you know, they, I suggest the lead because they are a urban professional type, you know, like just there's different perspective, different points of each person that could lead me to suggest a certain app. Um, but usually, uh, you know, it's, I recommend one of the sort of swiping apps, which, you know, like Tinder, Bumble, 
hinge and I mean, match isn't that, but you know, it's kind of one of the major ones. Um, and then a secondary one to okay. kind of offset that. So, I mean, and, and that will keep you busy <laughs> and, and just really, you know, my, one of my main points of advice is just being really active and proactive and not just, you know, cause I have the clients that came to come to me and say, well, I put up some photos and I wrote a bio and, you know, they kind of just sit back and wait for Crickets. something to happen. And you really have to be so proactive. I mean, I did the same thing. I was like, okay, I'm just going to wait for people to reach out to me. And that just doesn't really happen. You have to be messaging back to people. You have to be, you know, I suggest going there on every day for at least like 10 or 15 minutes, um, because especially with the swiping apps that helps with the algorithm. Um, I mean, you'll like get put to, you know, to the top of people's feeds. So it's really important to be active. And, and if you are feeling like you're in a slump and you don't want to, you're like, ugh, I, you know, I need a break. Then you just take a break and you just go off completely for however long you need. But when you are on them, just being really like really active um, because I can't tell you how many people say, well, I have, I have a profile up, but I haven't checked it in a few months or, <laughs> you know, I haven't really done anything with it. And it's just, you know, sitting there. So yeah, just being really proactive. So along with everybody else listening, I'm wondering <clears throat> what exactly does proactive mean? So I go on um, and I am, I call it shopping for men. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I go on and I'm shopping for men or for you guys, you're shopping for women. Proactive looks like, okay, daily, 10 to 15 minutes, um, mm -hmm. swiping, messaging. Swiping uh, and re returning messages. And returning messages. Somebody that, you know, maybe right away you're like, oh, I'm not going to message that person back. I'm not really so sure. Just it's first of all, it's a great practice. Uh, you know, messaging with people is always good practice because it takes, it's, it's like a muscle you've never used before. And it really does take a while to get used to texting back and forth with people and, you know, getting a flow and, and kind of I, back and forth and asking questions. And so any, any back and forth with somebody I think is good to practice with. And also it just, it, keeps you up on the app. And it, again, like it affects the algorithm and how you're shown in, in people's feeds. So it's just important to return messages um, and swipe, swipe as much as you can. I mean, swipe left or right. Not that you have to keep swiping right or anything, but just get being active on there. Okay. There may be a few people who don't know what that means. Can you just explain the swipe? Yeah. <laughs> the world so of the swiping. swipe. <laughs> Right. Swiping left or right. Left means you're not interested. Right means you are. And then, you know, generally like on Tinder or match, I mean, sorry, Tinder or Bumble, you'll get a notification if that person also swiped right on you. So right away, if you match, then you are able to message with one another. So versus something like match or like match, you can basically message anyone and whether or not they respond is a whole other thing, but you can message it, message anyone. Um, Hinge, you can comment on people's photos or, or things that they've written and make comments on that. And then they can reply to you. So it's it's not so much of a, you don't have to just match with each other to, to message. Right. So. And um, yeah, no, I think that that's good for people to hear. And then um, let's talk a little bit about the messaging, because I think that that's another place where 
people probably mm-hmm. get tripped up. It's mm-hmm. like, how do I start the conversation? What do I say? You know, um, I don't want to get too deep or be too serious or, or I, with a lot of my clients, you know, the whole um, concept of just show up authentic feels foreign. They've, they've mm-hmm. been in a marriage for a long time. What does authentic mm-hmm. look like? My authentic self with my girlfriends might be different than what I want to do. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and so I think it's a really, um, it's a big question. It's like, how do I do this? Even though it sounds so simple, it's like, how do I do this? Yeah. So I would say that one of the biggest questions I get from people, from clients or from, you know, in interviews or, you know, book signings, whatever it is, everybody wants to know what is the opening line that you use that will get a response no matter what. (laughs) And it's the million dollar question as I call it. But because I get asked that question so much, um, and and it does, it's not easy for everybody. Some people it comes easy to, and other people, it really is challenging. And once again, people see the same messages over and over again. How was your weekend? what are you doing this weekend? Hey, how are you? Like, you know, it's, that seems okay. That's obvious. Sure. But it's also something that people see again and again. And just so stepping outside the normal questions and just being a little more unique and how you open up with somebody and just to get a reaction from them, to get, to get a response. And so my team and I actually did a lot, a lot of research on our own profiles, like kind of combing through our own Tinder and Bumble and match and just seeing what things that we responded to and um, what thing, you know, what things got a response in return and that type of thing. Um, And we came up a list with a list of 20 opening lines Oh, wow. I have available on my website. Yeah. Cause it's just it's, so important for people. And I think more than anything, it's sure it's a list of 20 options, but it's also gets you thinking of other ways to, to open, you know, open with somebody like to get a response. It's, it really gets your mind thinking like, Oh, okay. Well, maybe I wouldn't say it exactly like that, but I would say this, you know? And so it kind of forces you to think of other things than just the generic, Hey, how are you? You know, right, right, right. Um, Is that available for our listeners to? um... Yeah. So if they, well, it's, it's part of a thing called profile in an hour. So basically it's like a beginner DIY profile um, package where it kind of gives you all the guidelines and, and step-by-step on how to set up your own profile, starting with which it's a quiz you can take, which is which app should I use? And then helps you write your bio, helps you with your photos, you know, kind of just like a step-by-step and then it's messaging tips and opening lines. So that's sort of like, (laughs) beautiful. so it's, it's on my website. Yeah. Okay. So so popular because honestly, mostly for the opening lines, (laughs) because I think people are like, I'll buy it just for that. (laughs) So it's tell our listeners what your website is and, and the name of that again, even though we'll talk about this at the end. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's so it's dialmyprofilenyc.com. Okay. And then it's called, it's under profile in a day. So there's three different, there's profile and profile in a day, which is where we do kind of everything for you. And then there's like a mid mid range version version. There's a DIY version. So that's the profile in an hour. So that's what you can download. And it's okay. just like quick, you download it, it's there. So, so 
I start messaging. I'm creative. I'm getting some feedback because I've gotten some guidance on it. Um, mm-hmm. What what are the uh, what's the guidance and what are the challenges um, at that point in the process? Keeping the conversation going, and I'm sure you can attest to that. It's you know it's tough to keep people engaged, and you know people get you might be messaging and it's going great. And then somebody gets pulled into, you know, back to their job or whatever their real life. And then kind of picking up where you left off can be challenging. Um, You know, you kind of lose momentum or, you know, somebody maybe whatever went on a few dates with somebody who was really into it. And then they come back to you, you know, it's like, you just never know what's going on on their end, but oftentimes people get really bogged down in the, why didn't this person respond to me, you know, and then you feel rejected. And I mean, it's just, it's like, you know, everybody has those same feelings. So just remembering that you are going to have messaging conversations with people that might just fade off and, and that's okay. And I remember the first few times that happened to me, I was like, Oh my God, I said something wrong. I said something to offend them. I did what, what did I say? You know, and I think everybody does that too, to some extent when you first start out and just keeping in mind that it could be a million reasons (laughs) why the conversation fell off. Um, But the most important thing to keep it going on your end is just to keep asking questions. So, you know, you ask a question, they answer it. Hopefully they say something or ask for, you know, something from you and then you respond and then you respond with another question. You have to keep going back and forth like that or else the conversation just falls flat. And, you know, I mean, it it happens all the time. I I see people's conversations with, with somebody they're messaging with and it's, you know, classic, you know, how was your weekend? It was great. I went surfing. How was the weather? It was awesome. I, you know, whatever. And then they don't finish it up with a question. And then the other person's just like, well, should I respond to that? Or, you know, I've had people actually ask me like, well, they didn't say anything after that. Do you think they want to keep talking? You know, so just keeping in mind that everybody has those feelings and just, you know, I always say, reach out again. If it falls flat, reach out one more time or even maybe two more times and give them the benefit of the doubt. If you don't hear from them again, then you can let it go. You know, move on to the next person. Yeah. And and I just want to, just because this is something we talk to our audience about all the time, for those of you who um, have noticed how many stories you create around your divorce and around things, I think that um, Mm -hmm. what Alyssa is saying here is to really be mindful of your stories. And um, if somebody stops communicating with you, it doesn't mean you did anything wrong. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that they're ghosting you and like, just be careful. It's, this is dating. This is what happens. Some people Mm -hmm. fall off and Mm -hmm. it could be that they found another man or woman. It could be that their kid got sick. It could be that they're on a a business trip. It could be a million things. And so, um, and so when, when you keep the focus on just your side of the street, and you're just doing your stuff. And Mm -hmm. it's like, if they come Mm -hmm. back, great. If they don't come back, it wasn't meant to be. And to Mm -hmm. your point, you can reach out once or twice, but um, I've spoken to so many people who get so triggered and they've got this entire story about what he or she did. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's just one of, you know, a hundred possibilities. Yes. And, and one other thing I want to mention is that rejection 
doesn't get any better as you get older or after a marriage or, you know, you think you've been through all these things in your life and you could handle like somebody not responding to you <laughs> in a message. But like you said, it can be really triggering and the rejection feelings are, you know, can be, can be hard, but I think just working through it, feeling it and just putting, you know, moving on and just moving forward. Yeah. And and I would add to that, you know, my favorite statement and those of you who work with me know this, a good information. And so if somebody Mm -hmm. stops reaching out to me and, and I try once or twice and they don't come back, it's like, okay, that's good information. I can at least back shelve, if not close that door and not, not, put any more energy into talking to my girlfriends or guy friends about it or ruminating mm-hmm. about what he or she was doing. It was so good. We were so connected. What could mm-hmm. like, don't do any of that. The good information, the person who's your person is, is going to feel very different than that. And, and exactly. so, it, and you don't need a dozen, most of us anyway, you just need one. So yeah. right. Yeah. You're out looking for your one, which right, is right. We have a special gift for you. Whether you're still emotionally entangled with your ex or not, imagining and creating your life after divorce can feel surreal for some, terrifying for others. Fears and limiting beliefs around financial security, building new friendships, health and fitness, and even finding healthy love can interfere with your ability to create the life you desire. Journey Beyond Divorce coaches can help you get clear on what you want and the obstacles that are keeping you stuck and guide you in manifesting your ideal life. We're here to help you enter this new chapter with more confidence and enthusiasm with a free jumpstart call. Visit journeybeyonddivorce.com backslash jumpstart to book your call today. Yeah. And I, and I think that what kept me going is just, first of all, just finally reflecting on, okay, why am I feeling so rejected? And then I think when I really wrapped my head around the fact that these people don't even know me yet, even if we'd gone out one time, they still don't know me really. They know like the first date version of me. So, and definitely not with the initial messaging, they haven't even met you yet. So just like, why am I feeling, they don't even know. They're Why am I taking it personally? Yeah, And they don't even know enough about me to reject me. So it literally has nothing to do with me. It's something that's going on with them and that's fine. Perfect. Um, So I think just accepting that is huge. It was a huge step for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. So I know um, we want to talk about uh, the value of vulnerability, but I'm wondering, would you talk about red and green flags at this stage um, uh, Mm -hmm. of interaction? And then we can talk about uh, the value of vulnerability after that. Yeah, well, one is kind of going off of what you just said is you would get a lot of information from somebody being non-responsive or short or defensive, or, you know, I mean, there's so many ways somebody can kind of show you who they are 
in that initial messaging that you often choose to ignore. (laughs) It's maybe somebody you're really interested in and you'll go out with them, you know, and then realize, oh, I should have, I should have paid attention to those things beforehand, but you, you know, this is how you learn. It's all a learning. It's all a learning practice. It really is like so much of dating online dating, especially in my opinion was just each date kind of gave me new information about myself and also what to expect of others. So, um, is there, I got off track there, but no, that's great. (laughs) I'm I'm wondering. Um, so you mentioned a couple of red flags at this point in the process, are there a few green flags that you would also? Yeah, absolutely. I think when somebody's asking you questions about yourself, (laughs) that's a huge green flag. You know, even, even if it doesn't turn into anything, it shows that that person is making an effort, is staying engaged, is polite. (laughs) I mean, there's like, you know, so many things that just even keeping a a conversation going on, on text messaging, I feel like is, is a big deal, you know? So, um, and actually just to, as a side note, that was something that, um, that my, my boyfriend, when we were first initial messaging with each other, he asked so many questions about me and my life and my daughters and my, you know, just everything. And I wasn't really used to that, to be honest, um, because I guess with my experience, it didn't really happen as much, but, um, but it's really what kept me going out with him. You know, we actually did, we didn't like officially start dating. It was like, took us four dates before I was, we were really like, I basically felt like he was a friend. I, I kept going out with him because he was nice guy. He was funny. He was sweet. And it was on our fourth date that I was like, oh my gosh, I actually, there's something there. I really like this person. And I love I that you I said would, that, but that did, it didn't, it wasn't like right from the get-go so much. No, no, not at all. In fact, I mean, we joke about it now, but it was like zero chemistry on my part. <laughs> I was just like, but I was like, he's a nice guy and I could see myself being friends with him. And so that's something that, you know, I talked to my clients about is that's a good gauge actually to go out. Cause I really encourage people to go out on more than one or two dates, because when you think about it, so they're not really themselves yet. You know, like I said, it's like your first date version of yourself where you're maybe not as funny as you usually are. And maybe you're really nervous and there could be a million things. So giving people a second or third chance, as long as they're not like, <laughs> I had one client call me the next day and she's like, okay, I really, I heard your voice in my head saying, go out with him another time because this is what Alyssa tells me to do. And she's like, but I'm totally dreading it. And I was like, no, no, that's not, (laughs) that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying (laughs) go out with somebody that you're dreading hanging out with. No, (laughs) it's somebody that you'd want to hang out with as a friend, you know, and just going based on that, decide whether you want to continue. So, so what I'm hearing is if you go out and you have a good time, and you're like, there is absolutely no chemistry here. Mm-hmm. Go out, go out again. Just mm-hmm. go and enjoy it. If nothing else, you'll be practicing the skill of dating. You'll be yes. hanging out with somebody that's enjoyable to hang out. Yeah. And you don't know what's going to happen because Alyssa found herself with chemistry come date number four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people are shocked at that. They're like, I can't believe you went out on that fourth date. <laughs> and I, you know, I kind of can't either, but um, obviously it was meant to be, but I, I really, there was something 
about him that I made me feel good in his company. So I think that's another thing to remind yourself of. Mm. Like if the person makes you feel good about yourself when you're sitting in front of them, that's a big deal. That's a nice green flag. And so I want to move back just a little bit. So Mm -hmm. here I'm, I'm chatting with an individual. It's back and forth. It's continuing to go over a couple of days. Um, what what are the um, recommendations for just uh, setup, location, time frame for that first date? Well, absolutely. I say do not have dinner with somebody on the first date because then you're really committed to this like hour plus you know, situation. Um, so coffee or a drink, or, you know, I mean, depending on where you are, like a walk could do too. Um, but really, you know, committing to like a 45 minute type thing, um, and even having an excuse of why you need to leave ahead of time so that no one's feelings get hurt for the most part. Um, I didn't, I even had a, I interviewed somebody recently and I loved her. This was great for females, especially. She had a $20 bill all the time on her first dates. And if she was like not really feeling it, wanted to kind of make an exit, she would, after one drink, she would like be like, you know what? I'm so sorry. I have to run. You know, it's great meeting you. Here's money. So she didn't have to wait for a check. She didn't have to deal with that awkwardness of who pays, you know, all of that. I loved that. It's like have a $20 bill, you leave that and you leave, you know? Um, so just really having like a, a bound boundaries with your timing and having, again, like having a reason why you have to leave, um, is always good. Yeah. So before we talk more about the dating, I'm curious what you, um, what you speak to your clients, um, about around, around the issue of being vulnerable, because I think that's a hard one. Yeah, this is so hard. I I would say this is the hardest part of my job definitely is getting people to feel like allow themselves to feel vulnerable. And, you know, obviously I'm not a therapist. So at some point it's like, (laughs) you know, you do, maybe you need to make an appointment with your therapist, but on some level, I, you know, I really do help people kind of work through that. Like, you know, people have such an armor up, especially after a divorce and a lot of people for whatever reasons. And it's hard to let that down. It's hard to feel like, you know, I think that the, at least for me, it, I was so afraid of being hurt. And so I think that for the, you know, definitely in the first couple of years I was online dating, I definitely had a guard up. In fact, a few people that I became friends with told me that afterwards, like, oh, you really, you like on our first date, you see, like, as, as my boyfriend describes me, he's like, you look like this. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so not me at all. And I'm like, I, I had no idea I was even doing that. You right, know? right. Who are so, you and are you worth my time? <laughs> and it's like very off putting. But um, so I think that just, I mean, that's like the physical, you know, version of how people feel, which is like, I'm not letting you in. And what I tell my clients is somebody's not going to be able to advance, you know, they're not going to get to know you. Say if you, you know, you like someone, they like you and to some level in it's like the first few dates and you're not letting down that guard, you're not letting them in and you're not giving them anything to kind of hook onto to, you know, create any kind of bond or, you know, moving to the next level or, you know, any of that. So it's so important to let yourself feel that way. And it is a risk. It is risky. And I get that. 
Um, you know, and I think, you know, there was plenty of times that I didn't do that. And then I looked back and I wished that I had and, or I did it too soon. And, you know, so it's, you know, no, no one's perfect. It's just, you know, kind of testing out different, um, different ways you're kind of approaching that. And obviously with each person, it's going to be different, but really allowing yourself to be vulnerable, um, really within the first few dates, because you're not going to get really far if you can't be. So let's let's just talk a little bit about a vulnerability versus oversharing. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> let's cover both ends of that. Yeah, there's a big difference between those two. Um, yeah, I think it's it's um, you know oversharing can be basically like a, a venting type thing. I think for a lot of people, and that's sort of how it comes off, you know, to the other person too. Um, whereas I think vulnerability, it's different. It's it's sharing something about you that's showing a side of yourself you haven't shown yet. You know, it's not complaining. It's not bitching about your ex. It's not, you know, it's not like talking about your child's, you know, special needs. It's talking about something with you and how you feel and letting that, like exposing a part of yourself that you haven't exposed yet to that person. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, um, and what is the rule about talking about your ex? Well, it's funny because I, I definitely made this mistake. Um, my first few months of dating, I was going through a really traumatic divorce. And so it was so much of my world that it, not that I was sitting there, like telling them my life story, but it was more just like, you know, if it came up, somebody asked me like, oh, so how long have you been separated? <laughs> Sometimes it would just <laughs> devolve from there. But um, I learned pretty quickly, okay, that's definitely a turnoff for, <laughs> for pretty much everybody. Um, so I really say, first of all, I think that it's good if the other person, you know, brings up their divorce, you know, first. I mean, in, in other words, like you don't want to start asking too many questions about somebody's divorce before they're ready. So I think, you know, if you're both divorced, just kind of going out a couple of times before you get to that. And then I think it's even like, should be incremental, like sharing a little bit about, about how it went down and, and what's relevant right then. And then as you get closer and as you get more, maybe more involved with each other then other elements might be more important to share. So I think it's really kind of like a natural progression, but definitely not the first date, <laughs> I guess is, yeah, yeah, the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you're asked on the first date, you can, you can state your status without getting into the kind of yeah. detail that's going right. to distract right. from who you are and finding exactly. out who they are. That's yeah. exactly right. That's it's exactly what it does. It distracts from you because it, you know, this person doesn't know you yet. And so they're just going based on this like negativity you feel right. <laughs> about this, you know, about this other person right. and, or about the divorce in general, whatever it is. So yeah, it definitely is a distraction. Yeah. Okay, great. So, um, so now we've, you know, we've, we've chatted online, we've met, uh, a couple of times we've become vulnerable and shared a little bit about ourselves. Um, so what do, what do you notice your clients bring to the table in terms of their belief about what a relationship should look like and how does that mm. play into this part of the, uh, of, of yeah. the process, so to speak? 
I I love talking about this because I think as with my community and my client base is similar to yours, like 40, 45 to 70, 75. So pretty much, you know, most, the majority of people are divorced or widowed and you're on the next chapter of your life. And I think so many of us, um, you know, including me, you kind of have this fantasy idea of what your next (laughs) relationship might look like and what that lifestyle might look like. And if you get too hung up on that, that's going to be, you know, that's going to pull you back because it, you know, for me, for example, I use this as an example, because I think it's a good one. Um, When I first started dating my boyfriend, um, I didn't realize he travels all the time or at the time he did since the pandemic, he doesn't, but all the time. So, and he had kids um, that he still saw every other weekend in DC. So he was going back and forth. And so it was basically, he wasn't here very much. And, you know, there was a part of me that's like, oh, this is not how I saw this going down, you know, like, I, cause we were all of a sudden like serious. It kind of went from nothing to like, okay, now we're together. Um, and I really was, you know, I kind of let myself get a little disappointed about it. Luckily I didn't end it because in the end it shifted so much within about a year and a half, everything shifted. And now it's a totally different scenario. Um, but I think so many of my clients are, I mean, I've even had clients say who are in New York city say, I don't want anybody who lives past, you know, like 50th street. Like I really want somebody on the upper West side, you know, that kind of thing. Well, that's, that's pretty specific. It's like, okay, we've got, we've got a lot to do here. Um, but that's obviously like the worst case scenario. But then even I have people that say, I don't want anybody who lives in outside the city. And I mean, even in a suburb, which I mean, to me, like I no Brooklyn, if I'm in Manhattan, there'll be no Brooklyn people that I'm oh, yeah. no, Wow. I mean, that's getting better. But even just like Westchester, for example, like suburbs that are right outside the city where people are in and out all the time. I've had people say, no, I, I want somebody who's only in the city. And what I explained to them is you have no idea who you might meet that is like dying to move back into the city. Maybe they moved outside the city when they had a family and now they're divorced and they want to have, you know, move back into the city and have that lifestyle again. You have no idea, you know? So I think that, um, and I have clients come back to me who say like, I met this person and they're in Florida most of the year and I'm up here in the Northeast, but we make it work and we, you know, we're back and forth. And, you know, I think that things can look much different than they did, for example, when we were like getting married and having a family and and doing all of that, you know, obviously wanted a certain lifestyle, but, you know, it's, it's kind of amazing the lifestyle you could create for yourself, meeting somebody who doesn't live here, you know, and maybe, I mean, my partner and I did a lot of our relationship over FaceTime for the first few months and that totally worked for us actually. And, you know, I've heard it working for a lot of people kind of as an interim thing, obviously that can't, that can't be like forever, but it really can work with FaceTime now and, you know, travel now that travel is back to being fairly easy again, it, you know, you can really create something that maybe wasn't what you were envisioning, but could be great for you in the end. So just yeah. not ruling out people based on their location. Cause you never know when someone's willing to relocate. Right. You right. know, there's so many variables. So I'm hearing that if, if you, if you're 
you're noticing that you're rigid in your thinking and that rigidity is narrowing the field um, that uh, there's actually no need to do that because if you mm -hmm. just allow the field to be expansive, uh, your experience is going to guide you in where to narrow and where to maybe just notice a limiting belief and play a little bit with it and consider what that looks like. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and also not just with, you know, where people live, but, and this kind of is a good lead up to, to another thing I wanted to talk about is being really open-minded when you're, I call it swiping, but whether it's, you're just scrolling through profiles or however, you know, whichever app you're on, but as you're swiping, just really, I, I call it swipe outside your type. Um, because oh, I'm curious. So, yeah. So, and actually I do this with my group, my group workshops. Um, and I even call, I have something called swap the swipe where we pair people up and we make them take over each other's profiles and swipe for the person. And what it does is it really makes you look at per people that you wouldn't like, I mean, so many of us have so many things in our minds, again, like this fantasy version of a person and that you swipe left on so many people that could be amazing in person. You don't know. I mean, you, you, you know, it's so hard to tell from a photo and sometimes people are like so dynamic in person and in their, maybe they're not photogenic, you know, there's like so many different things that can play into that. So I feel like, you know, swiping outside your type and just, you know, even I even do this like as a challenge to people, if they do my challenges, I do this two week challenge. One of them is just, like swipe, everyone you swipe on today is someone that you normally wouldn't, everyone you swipe right on, I should say. So really, it really pushes people to, to explore other, you know, I mean, I have people that say like, I don't want to go out with anybody that's not also a lawyer, or I don't want to go out with anybody that's not also an artist or, you know, and all those things that can be so limiting. And you just never know who you're going to find that could be compatible with you that may not have, they might be shorter than you want. They might not have the job that you want. And I'm not saying to settle. I'm saying that meet somebody in person because you never know what there's, what that person's going to be like in real life. And I think that, you know, one of the things that is so difficult is um, in, in my personal opinion is, you know, you're seeing someone's image and that doesn't speak to who they are. And when I stop and think about like my friends, the men in my life who are friends, they're so handsome to me because, because of their personality, because of the amazing human beings they are. Mm -hmm. um, but if I saw them on an app, I might be, is left, no, left, you know? <laughs> no, <laughs> and, that's and, exactly and I, it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And I actually had a, a put another way. I had a client say to me, you know, I was at a dinner party the other night and I was the only single person. It was all my married friends. And I was looking around the table and I thought all these husbands of my friends, if I saw their picture on a dating app, I probably wouldn't swipe right on them either. But so many of them are so great and so like, so sweet or so funny or so whatever it is. And she, it made her realize, like, I need to look at people in a, she looked at this crowd of people and realized I'm definitely limiting myself by just going on you know, this belief that I have of this right. type of person, you know, right. Right. so it's something like, really key. And I love the swipe outside your type. I mean, first of all, how, how, how witty a saying is that? And then, <laughs> and then that's, that's just brilliant. Like just, just push, 
beyond your comfort zone and see what yes. might be on the yeah, other side a, of it. That's a good way to put it is pushing you beyond your comfort zone. And what I say to people is you don't have to go out with this person necessarily, just message with them, see what there happens. You, you know, you just never know. Um, yeah. Perfect. So I have a last question for you, but you may have some other things you want to share. So, so I'm going to tell you my question. And then if you have some things that come before it, just jump in here I am, I'm swiping, I'm messaging. I go out on a couple of dates. I, I'm, I'm authentic. I'm vulnerable. <laughs> when do I narrow the field? Because I think, and especially with women, um, and that may not be fair. It, it's, it may be my limiting belief, but that you get to a point and it's like, oh my goodness, I've just had these, you know, great messages and these one or two really good dates with, with Jim, I'm going to completely forget that I have this app and I'm just going to like, he's my guy. Like hat, mm -hmm. what, what are the rules mm -hmm. around um, when to narrow the field and when to make sure that you're still um, playing the field? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great question. And I agree with you. It is the majority are women that do that, but I definitely have male clients that do that as well, where they like hone in on one person they've met and like, this is it. She's the one, you know, so it goes both ways, but I feel like, um, you know, just in my opinion, how I sort of started to do it myself and how, what I recommend to clients is, you know, go on a few dates and it's keep, on the apps, you know, because a few dates is really not, you're still getting to know the person. You don't know what's going to happen. I mean, for all you know, you know, whatever, their job might change and they have to move, who knows, but you're, you know, you're still messaging, you're still swiping, you're still active on the apps and even going out on dates with people. And I think that most people assume now with online dating that you're both still active until you have the conversation you know, of let's go off the apps, you know, that kind of thing. So, which, you know, generally speaking is not going to come for at least, I would say five or six dates, maybe more, I don't know, depending on the the people, but, um, you know, and, and of course there's like, if there's sex involved, then that's something that has to be comfortable for you. And obviously that would be something you need to talk about with the person, but, I think generally speaking, not putting all your eggs in one basket is definitely a good rule, um, especially now with modern dating. It's just different than how it was when we were younger, um, you know, before dating apps and everything. So I think just, you know, making sure you're still active until you actually have that conversation. So and it's not and I think people think of it as like you know, I think we get stuck on like, maybe it feels like you're cheating on them or you're not being honest or something like that. But I also feel like if that makes you feel uncomfortable, just be honest. Like, just, just so you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm still on the apps, but you know, I'm up for that conversation. If you want to have it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it seems to me that this is the place where if you think that you've done your healing and you've got a good, healthy mindset and you find yourself triggered at this point, right? I feel guilty for staying on the app. I'm uncomfortable having the conversation. I don't want to assume or insinuate anything mm -hmm. like this is where some of our um, wounds, some of the things that we mm -hmm. we're working mm -hmm. on healing and refining could actually come to the surface now that it's more than just the messaging and those first few dates. Mm -hmm. Um, this is where the opportunity to 
push through your comfort zone and stay authentic and be authentic and say what you're yes. afraid of, say what you're concerned and say, about. Yes. And if you've Absolutely. had five or six dates and you're thinking it's time and he's like, oh, it's not even close to time. Or she's thinking, well, that's good information too. Like, mm-hmm, and that, mm-hmm. that I think what I hear you saying is, um, those are the opportunities to have the conversations that could, um, end or mm-hmm. extend, mm-hmm. Yeah. uh, the, the dating experience and, and the right. fear of, I don't want to say it because it might end. What I want to say to those listening is if that's your fear, I'm not going to say that because it might end, um, be very careful because if raising it ends it, what are you extending? Like, like, yeah, it's yeah, important and my, my, that your person that you're interested in is open to that conversation and here at least you. open to the conversation, right. you know, and if they're not even open to that, then that right. is, gives you a lot of information. Right. So, and if they, you have the conversation and they said, actually, you know, I'm still seeing somebody else. Are you okay? You know, you have to have the conversation where are you both okay with that? you know, that, that also, then you have your decision to make whether you want to keep moving forward or not. But I think exact, you're exactly right. Like putting it out there, if it's the right person, it won't be weird. First of all, they won't be offended. They won't be like, what are you talking about? That's way too soon. And if they do that, then they're definitely not the right person for you, you know? So I think that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. So I think that you get to this point and that's where, you know, because of all the work we do with our clients, that's where, um, that, that, slightly new level of seriousness. That's, there's a book, Conscious Loving, where they talk about how you have to speak the microscopic truth. And when you're not honest, right? So if you're, if you want to know if they want to narrow it, but you don't say it, that's the first crack. That's the first crack that you're allowing. Okay. I'll just be quiet. I'll just wait. I'll just hope for. And so if that's how you've done things in the past, you want to do them differently. And so I think that Mm -hmm. in this phase that you're talking about is really a huge opportunity for personal growth and to, to kind of trust that somebody is going to love your authentic self and, and align with your timing and your communication Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and not hide behind masks and other fears. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And this is also, you know, another example of, of being vulnerable, you know, that is a vulnerable thing to bring up to somebody. Um, and that, but like you said, I mean, that could be the one thing that propels the relationship into something else, you know? So I think that it is a risk, but also it, it is something that you need to know. And that person's going to show a lot about themselves and how they react. And if it doesn't propel the relationship forward and it ends it and you go home going, oh my God, I wish I hadn't. Why did I, uh, I want to encourage you to, to, to look at it differently, to notice that Mm -hmm. that's just not your person then. You know, yeah, that's, that's yeah. just not your person that, that we're not doing anything wrong, showing up authentic and asking for what, what we want and need. Um, that's all part of the being vulnerable and saying, are mm-hmm. you my right puzzle piece? Are we going to fit mm-hmm. nicely together? Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's good. another example I like to give for, for this too, is, you know, being, being honest is so key. And I know it's hard to not have that like front up that we all have when we're dating, but I feel like, you know, someone, people ask me like, well, what do I, 
I'm so nervous about this first date. I've, I haven't gone out with somebody in 30 years, you know. I always say, well, tell the person, you know, I just want you to know this is my first date in 30 years. I'm a little nervous. Like, and I did that actually on my first date and I was terrified and I tried to cancel and he was like, why are you canceling? And then I've told him and it was like, and he was so nice about it. And it was like the nicest experience because he really felt for me. <laughs> he was like, you know, it didn't turn into anything, but he really, as a human being, he was like, this is going to be fine. Like you're okay. And I think sharing that with somebody is, is huge. And, and being honest is you can't go wrong, you know, because you're showing your authentic self. And if somebody can't be open to that, then they're not the right person for you for sure. Perfect. Before we give everyone your contact information and how they can find you any last words of encouragement, inspiration, um, to wrap up. Yeah. I mean, really with online dating, I think keeping an open mind as much as possible is, is huge and really can, and can change your whole outlook on online dating and really can change your whole experience. And maybe it's, you know, how are you going to meet, meet your person is just keeping an open mind about all of it. Beautiful. How can our listeners find you? And if you have a free giveaway, this would be a great time to mention it to them. Yeah, sure. So um, they can find me on my website, which is on my profile, nyc.com. We actually have several. We have a, um, a bio questionnaire that's downloadable, um, that's that's complimentary. And we have the app quiz. Um, we also have a style quiz, which is kind of fun. Um and what's the other, I think we have something else. Um, we're actually going to have some more downloadable things. I'm actually restructuring my website right now. So there will be more free items, um, but definitely the bio questionnaire is, is a good one. Beautiful. And one more time, style my, my profile NYC. Style my profile NYC. Go check it out. It sounds like those free downloadables are really valuable. Um, I think that this was a fabulous conversation. Alyssa, thank you so much thank for you. coming on, thank you. for sharing Thanks. information and inspiration. And I know I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable about stepping out and uh, starting to date again. So um, Good. I love that. <laughs> and if you guys have questions, go and check out Alyssa's website. There's probably a contact page where you can reach out to her if you're interested in mm -hmm. learning more about mm -hmm. her services. Yeah. And uh, we and will- also I, I do a lot of dating advice on my Instagram too, if people are on Instagram, it's just my name, Alyssa Deneen. Yeah. And we'll have all of that in the show notes too, all yeah. the different ways that they can reach you. So thank you, Alyssa. Thank uh, you. We will be back again uh, real soon with another episode of Life After Divorce. And until then, you take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one -on -one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.